This is Business But Make It Feminist, a podcast about feminist entrepreneurship brought to you by the sister team. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Business But Make It Feminist. I'm Amelia Freeby, Programs Coordinator at Sister. And I'm Jen Armbrust, Founder and Director of Sister. And this is our third episode. I just want to start by saying thank you to everyone who's tuned into the podcast so far. We've been really excited by the feedback that we've gotten, and we're so grateful that you're listening. We can't wait to share today's conversation and even more future conversations with all of you. So today we've got a very special episode all about feminist visionaries, which is a topic that Jen and I just love to chat about and often find ourselves getting carried away just talking about. So Jen, why don't you kick things off by telling us what a feminist visionary is and maybe sharing a few of your favorites? I'd love to. So obviously, there are many types of visionaries in the world, visionaries in all stripes, colors, political persuasions. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think feminist visionaries are really those special people who can envision a future without patriarchy, without white supremacy, a world beyond capitalism. And they share that vision with us. And they share that excitement with us to give us a roadmap forward. And there's something that I think we're going to talk about more that I love about visions and feminist visions, which is they're not just science fiction, right? They're not Mm -hmm. just these stories we consume for pleasure or for entertainment, but they actually create the future. They Mm -hmm. give us a template. They give us a vision we can then share together to work towards. So some of my very favorite feminist visionaries are Angela Davis, the uh, prison activist Mm -hmm. and teacher, author, she's many things, but she has, she's, I think what I love about her is not only is she a feminist visionary, she's a very good articulator. Mm -hmm. So she not only like has a vision, but she's really good at speaking it, sharing it and pulling us into her vision, involving us in her vision. And Mm -hmm. I think that's also another thing we might talk more about today is how visionaries invest other people in their visions. Like Mm -hmm. we only make visions real together collectively. Sure. Mm -hmm. You can have a vision for your life, but when we're really talking here about being a visionary, that goes beyond your life. That's about us engaging and exciting other people to create this world that we can see. Mm-hmm. And then I love my favorite feminist visionaries are the Combahee River Collective, which is a group of Black lesbian feminists who were active in the 70s. I believe it was in Boston. And they wrote this quintessential mm-hmm. second wave feminist statement about their political positions and their beliefs. And this statement became so important. And anyone who identifies with the concept of intersectional feminism today, mm-hmm. that can be traced back to this statement written in 1977 by the Combahee River Collective. So they are shaping the feminism that we are living and loving right now. And they did that because they took the time to cultivate a vision, to hash it out. They had to work things out collectively as a group, and then they wrote it down. And it really changed the course of feminism. It changed some things at the time, but then we've really seen its long-term effects. And I think that's, to me, the potency of a feminist vision is something that's going to change over time. Mm -hmm. That's going to change the whole trajectory of the movement for the better. What they did was they really insisted on the positionality of a Black lesbian poor experience and how feminism had abandoned 
that group of women. Mm -hmm. And they really insisted that this was where feminism needed to relocate itself going forward. And they didn't use the word intersectionality. They used the phrase interlocking systems of oppression. And then that is what Kimberly Williams Crenshaw built on in 1989 and coined as intersectional feminism. So we've got these grandmothers who are so, um, we owe such a huge debt to who did work. They did the Mm -hmm. work of cultivating visions that we are living today. Yeah, I really like this piece that you're bringing to the fore around how a vision is collective. And some of our strongest visions are even authored collectively, like with the Combahee River Collective. And the ways that this world we're living in now was a vision in the past. And I think that that's really exciting and beautiful and really just reminds me that all feminists are living in a lineage and working in a lineage and acting in a lineage and creating the lineage as we do so. So visions are this really beautiful way of looking back and looking forward simultaneously. That's, I think, so special when it comes from a feminist framework or paradigm. (laughs) And as you said, there are plenty of other types of visions. And here at Sister, our work is in feminist business. And business is rife with visions that are not feminist and visions that are maybe not the world that we want to live in. Right. I mean, there's nothing virtuous by a vision in and of itself. Mm -hmm. But what we're really advocating for here is taking the time to cultivate a vision. Visions have value. And visions have influence. And we are living a lot of people's visions right Mm -hmm. now. We're living a Mark Zuckerberg's vision right now. We've seen how incredibly influential that has become. Move fast and break things. Like that's a vision. And Mm -hmm. we're living the vision of Adam Smith of capitalism. And we're living the vision of the founding fathers of the United States. And we are negotiating these visions. You know, we visions only stay alive as long as we invest in them. And I think right now, a lot of visions are being contested. I mentioned that because it's important to remember that history isn't, we didn't just wander into this moment Mm -hmm. that we're having. This moment was shaped and it was shaped by people who had power and privilege and took the time to cultivate a vision and then push that vision forward, sometimes at all costs. Yeah. But feminism, a part of our work has to be cultivating visions. And what we're doing here in feminist entrepreneurship by really creating this whole new genre is we have to do visionary work. Like mm-hmm. you have to do, you, the listener, you have to do visionary work. If we want a new paradigm, one that doesn't fall into the trappings of capitalism, one that doesn't exacerbate wealth disparities, one that doesn't recreate racist structures, you know, if we want to create these new businesses, ones that don't embody misogyny, we just can't wander into it. And you can't Mm -hmm. look to us at sister to do that either. Like we can't do it for you. We all have to do this visioning work together. And so that's, I think there's a big picture call for visioning. And then we also have to do just some micro visioning in our actual businesses. That's maybe a little more playful and a little less revolutionary in terms of, you know, we don't have to create the whole vision for where we're going as a movement, but part of the vision in your business is where do you want to go as a company? And that Mm -hmm. can be really fun. And that can be really playful. Yeah, I think that visioning always kind of has these different, I don't know if I want to call them sides or scales or perspectives, but I love getting caught up in like the big picture, the vision of what the whole world is going to be like in a feminist future. And then also, yeah, like coming back down into what does that look like then in my day-to-day life? What does that look like day-to-day in our business? I'm then always reminded of Adrienne Marie Brown's emergent strategy principle, small is all, and the ways that visioning really invites us to 
work at the small and the whole world level at the same time. And some days I feel like that sounds daunting and hard. And other days it feels like the most magical thing in the world to me. And that really is visioning. Like it is very magical. And also, I don't know if I would say it was, it's hard per se for me because I'm naturally visionary, but it is, it does take time. It's work. It's its own form of work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when we start to talk about feminist business and our specific framework, you know, we have this whole framework that we talked about in the previous episode, our trimester theory, which is how we coach people through birthing businesses. It starts with conception, then it moves to visioning, then engineering and actualization. What we're really advocating for is that visioning stage. That's what's missing in most other people's developmental frameworks. And we're saying this is worth the time. It is necessary. In fact, it's not just a luxury. We must be cultivating a vision for our business before we move to making it real, before we move to the problem solving and the engineering. We need visions. We need visions of our business. And especially in feminist entrepreneurship, you need a vision. You need a vision or you're going to default to business as usual. And what is business as usual? We know it's sexist. It's racist. Mm -hmm. It creates wealth disparities. Like it entrenches all these systems. So if you're somebody who's excited, excited about feminist entrepreneurship, it's just not even optional to create a vision. It's not optional. It's imperative. It's the only way we're going to get out of recreating um, these these like deeply entrenched dysfunctions that are especially embedded in the business paradigm itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As you mentioned there, our last episode was all about the trimester theory and went through the different phases of birthing a business. In today's conversation about how to be a visionary feminist in business, we're really diving deep into that second phase, into the visioning phase of birthing a business. So if you haven't tuned into our last episode, you don't have to pause right now and go back and listen, but you might want to. Jen, for folks who might have heard it a little while ago, can you remind us of the architecture of the visioning stage and what happens in that process? Right. So our framework, the trimester theory, is a business analogy that follows the process of pregnancy. So the visioning stage, which is actually the second stage in our process, but it is the first trimester of Mm -hmm. business development. You have your conception moment. That's first. Then once you have your concept, conception, your concept, then you move into visioning. And this is So this is the first trimester, the first stage after you get that conception moment. And here you are fleshing out that concept. So you're really giving it form. You're giving it life. You're really playing with this question. What could my business be? Not what should it be or what will it be, but what could it be? Mm -hmm. So this stage is very imaginative. This is where you want your internal permission level to play, to imagine, to enjoy. You want that to be really high. You don't want to start editing or critiquing your ideas um, at the beginning of this stage. Instead, this is where you have the opportunity to consider everything. Your business could be anything. And the reason you want to do that, you want to expand, 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 allow ideas, play with possibilities is so that you can choose. You know, Mm -hmm. you basically want to create like a large buffet for yourself. So you can say like, oh, okay, I want the ham and the chocolate cake, you know, (laughs) instead of just maybe your first idea is more like asparagus. I like asparagus, but I don't think I'd want to eat it for the next 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so 
you don't want to skip the visioning stage, pick your first idea, best idea. You might come back to that idea, but this is where you really want to allow yourself to ask, what could it be? And to let that vision get bigger, to let it fill up, to let it wander and evolve so that then as you move towards the end of the stage, you're editing those ideas to get it on. Again, you're choosing, you're choosing the business you want because you know you have entertained all possibilities. So this is the highly creative phase. It's the most creative phase. It's the most like art. Artists love this phase. They have tons of ideas. Mm -hmm. This phase is all about imagination. It doesn't cost you much. You aren't needing to invest a lot in your business at this time, other than your time and your imagination. You know, you're living really living in the world of your mind. Um, You're not yet having to invest in things. And in fact, I would deter people from investing in things at this stage. You're going to get excited and you're going to want to make it visible. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of almost literal. The things people invest in this stage when they get ahead of themselves are these visible things like business cards and websites. You want to see your business when you're in the stage and so that people will start start investing in those creative products. Mm -hmm. But I'd say, go ahead. If you're really called, you can start working on those products as part of your creative process, but don't, you're not going to want to invest money here because it's going to change when you get to engineering. So this is the stage of business, what I like to call business alchemy. This Mm -hmm. is where you really are making magic. Yeah. I mean, I think I've heard you describe visioning before as almost like an hourglass shape of like coming up with all of these things that could be moving through this kind of like I think of it as like a beautiful funnel of like values alignment and like what really feels right. And then kind of getting back to that picture of like, this is what my business will be. And this is why it it just kind of locks in and feels true and beautiful and real to me because I've invested this time in visioning. And I think something that we talk about a lot that you've already mentioned is that most business frameworks skip the visioning stage. It just starts right at engineering. And I definitely have a personality that is also very prone to do that. I think that it's an overachiever thing and it's a Capricorn rising thing. And I am both of those things. (laughs) But what I've noticed is that no matter how much I engineer something, it doesn't feel magical unless there's a vision. I can't get that feeling. I mean, maybe I can get high on my own productivity of engineering and like doing stuff and I can work myself into that good feeling sometimes, which is its own thing I should work on with my therapist or whatnot. But I can do the work and feel good about it. But without the vision, it doesn't feel magical. It doesn't have that like thing that connects me to a greater impact than just me doing work in the day to day. So I'm wondering, you know, you've said that visioning comes really naturally to you. How do you tap into that creativity? How do you get to business alchemy? I think that this is really where you get to explore and enhance and indulge your inner artist. And if you don't have an inner artist, this is an opportunity to play with that. I bet there's some part of you, even you people who are the most mathematical engineering types, there is part of you that would love to be an artist on some level that we all have creativity within us. It's, it's an essential survival skill. Mm -hmm. And so this is the time to get to play with that part of yourself. I think even playing in a kind of a preschool sense is important. Like use colored pens, use glitter, make it visual, make it tactile and visceral playing with ideas. And I think another part of it, what is imagination? Like, what is it? It's kind of our access to the spiritual world in a way, depending on what what spirit means to you. But there is a piece of this alchemical phase that is 
spiritual that is beyond us. That's kind of beyond the the visible world. Mm-hmm. We're using imaginations. We're we're exploring inspiration. Ideas are coming. We don't know where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the time to play with that. I think all of the tools, especially that are have really gained a resurgence of popularity, are really useful here. Things like tarot, mysticism, guided visualizations, breath work, mm-hmm. all of those things. Because we, it's kind of like you know, like some people say that bringing a baby into the world is going and bringing that spirit across the threshold, that that's Mm -hmm. what labor is. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we're doing here in Sister's way of business development. You kind of have to go and get that thing, that cosmic Mm -hmm. piece, that inspiration and bring it down in through the threshold of the veil of the real world. And so the more you can let yourself kind of play in that magic space, that dream space, the better, the better. So your critic is going to be your biggest problem here. Mm -hmm. Your inner critic who tells you you can't do something or that you shouldn't do something or that something's stupid or you're stupid. Mm -hmm. um, Those are all, those all shut down our access to inspiration, our access to cosmic information. You know, that's why I think the more we can kind of get childlike, the better, because our child does not have as much of a critic as our adult does. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we really want to put ourselves in pleasure, in play, in color, in sort of this loose, unformed, non-perfectionist way of being, especially at the beginning. And then we can bring our healthy critic in who, like you said, is going to start discerning which of these pieces are in alignment with my values, which of these pieces are pleasurable to me? Mm-hmm. What am I, what, what kind of business do I actually want to live in and run? Mm-hmm. And what businesses are, which of these ideas are actually going to embody what I feel is my purpose on this earth? And we're kind of assuming everyone who listens here is interested in creating a business that has meaning beyond profit. Yeah. That's why we, this course that we created for this phase is called Visions and Values, because values are so essential here. There's something you said that kind of clicked for me where you were like, otherwise, you just go straight to doing the work. Yeah. You don't need to create a business that's just work and that you just work <laughs> and the whole purpose is work, right? <laughs> the values yeah. is what gives it life, mm-hmm. what gives it meaning, what's going to animate it, not just for you, but for other people too. Mm-hmm. Like that's really a magnetic part of business. People want to come toward you because of your values, because of your purpose, because there's something bigger and more beautiful. And like, again, I just, I always use the word color when we're talking about this, because I'm (laughs) such a visual artist type, but it's like, don't you want to move towards the thing that's colorful and radiant and Mm -hmm. vibrant, not the thing that's sort of like dull and dim and dry? Yeah. Uh, I was literally, I was just thinking about this this afternoon before we recorded because I went to go pick up lunch as I like to do. (laughs) And I was getting lunch from a local barbecue place that is like, honestly, a little bit of a mess. The place is always like you can never get in the parking lot. When you go inside, it's very unclear who's working or what's happening. But it's so full of life. The vision is there. The food is great. Like it just has this energy. And then across the street is this like beautiful new like fast casual restaurant. But when I've gone in, it feels so visionless. It's it's mm-hmm. gorgeous, but it there's not the heart isn't in it. The magic isn't yeah. there. And I really do think that often when you interact with businesses in the world, when you spend money at places, you can tell if the if they have a vision or if they don't. And I think yeah. like that feeling that you might get from someone else's business, you can have that in your business too. And that's what taking the time to vision helps you do. 
Yes. Yes. Like you get to have a business that you enjoy. You get to have a business that other people love. Mm -hmm. Like those are the gifts of creating a vision. And I love what you were just telling, like when you were talking about those restaurants, the first thought I had about the barbecue place is like, they feed people. Yeah, That sounds literal, but I feel like that's their vision. Like we feed people, we nourish people. Mm-hmm. And I, the minute you talked about the other restaurant, I didn't get that message didn't come through at all. Yeah. They're not like we feed people. They're like, we make fancy food or whatever. I'm not sure. Or like we like, make money and there's food involved. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ding dong. That is like the, the mantra of the business without a vision. We make money yeah. and there's some other stuff involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, so true. (laughs) But let's do it different, folks, right? Like here we are, it's 2021. We're seeing simultaneously like the cracks and the and the weaknesses of these these like dysfunctional systems that are so entrenched in America, like we're here in America, Mm -hmm. but um, you know, of systemic racism, of late stage capitalism. We're starting to see all of the fissures and the and the weaknesses of these, but also we're it's so pervasive. We're like living at it ramped up to 10, you know? So I just think like I mean, I'm a revolutionary at heart, but I'm like, there's no option that you guys, there's no option. Like you, you kind of have to like make the choice. Like, are you contributing to these or are you part of the humanity that is ready for change and mm-hmm. that is working towards change? And because we're entrepreneurs, this is our job. Like mm-hmm. our job is to do this in our business. It doesn't get to be your hobby. We're past hobby point. This is, we're in crisis. We're in crisis as a, as a human race, as a country, like we're in crisis. And so if you are called to entrepreneurship, you got to do that work in your home. Your home is your business. You know, mm-hmm. we got to do this. We got to create these visions. We got to see where we're going, what that world could look like. And we get to also then plug in to the beauty of that vision. Like that's where so much energy can come from that sustains us through the challenging work, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you don't have that vision and you're just doing really hard work and you can't see the payoff, you can't feel the beauty of that in your body of what it will be like to to be in that place. It's really hard to keep going. It is easier than to choose the old solutions, the like tried and true quote, tried and true options. But it's when we get to see the other people's visions and when other people get to see our vision Mm -hmm. that's when we get uh we get the nourishment and the sustenance to like to keep going and even to build on it to do more again it's just like the visioning is always this beautiful moment of individual and collective enmeshing and i think that in the world that we live in this like in our capitalist patriarchal white supremacist society we're so siloed off from each other and in the past year when we've all had to stay home we might feel really disconnected from other people but the beauty of a vision is it's something you get to tap into that is bigger than yourself and that means it's a source of energy that's bigger than yourself you don't have to just constantly be pouring out of yourself into your business or your clients or anything else you get to have this entirely different energetic exchange it's an entire different economy than the one that we've been, I feel like, coerced into. (laughs) Like the only one most of us have ever known. Um, But but yes, I I love that piece of visioning. You know, we've, I feel like we've just made the case for visioning in many, many different ways. But an objection we do often get is that like this sort of work is nice, but not necessary for a business. So Jen, why would you say like visioning is necessary? It's not just nice. It is necessary for any business or maybe any feminist business. 
I think this just builds right on what we were talking about, the nourishment piece. I think a business without a vision is just work. Mm -hmm. It's just work. Mm -hmm. It's just work. And you can have another life. (laughs) You can have another (laughs) life than just work. You can have another business than just work. But doing, spending the time to cultivate that vision is the necessary piece that's going to add that depth, to add that future, to like guide you into where you're going and to give you the, like the process is, It's like the vision is one thing, but the process of creating the vision is actually equal to, or if not more important, Hmm. there's something really, really valuable about giving yourself the time and space to think beyond the Mm -hmm. current moment, to think beyond the current conditions, to imagine what's possible and to take time to connect with what you want. So we really want to help people birth businesses that are pleasurable. We say that we say like pleasure, purpose, and profit we almost have to take the time to connect with those things that are pleasurable, to to locate those in our business, to build them into it, Mm -hmm. to highlight them, to articulate that. It doesn't happen by accident the way that we're sort of programmed to do work and do business. So some of it is shifting our priorities in the way we actually even build our businesses to allow the space and the time to let those things like pleasure and purpose come to the fore. Cause those are not going to get worked out in work. Yeah, You're not just going to work your way towards pleasure. You're not going to work your way towards purpose. Those are things you have to take the time to, to imagine, to connect with, to dream, to think about, to mull over, mm-hmm. to contemplate. And so the visioning is, is crucial to that. I mean, otherwise I think, if you don't take the time to vision and actually write that vision down, sure, you can sort of barrel headlong into your business. You might create a business that's financially healthy for a while, but you know, so many business owners, almost everyone at some point is dealing with burnout. And I think what we find with burnout is it happens when you have lost touch with a vision or when you never had a vision. And then suddenly kind of the fumes you were running on mm-hmm. die out, Yeah, you know, so Burnout's going to happen to anyone. It's going to happen when you have a vision even, but the vision kind of gives you the strength and the sustenance to move through that. And also the process of knowing how to write a vision gives you a tool for when you really do reach deep burnout and it might be time for a change instead of just muscling on and through, you then actually have a tool you can use. You have a muscle that you've built around how to cultivate your next vision, mm-hmm. where to go from here. So I think visioning is such an important tool to business. And I think if if you're resistant to it, so many people are, it's not part of our normal business paradigm. I would really encourage you to check yourself and to check your ego in a way. Like, are you so addicted to needing to do visible work? Do you really need to prove your productivity? Do you really need other people's validation about how hard you're working for you to feel like your work is valuable? Because that is the whole masculine patriarchal paradigm. It's part of that myth of the meritocracy. Mm -hmm. And that is what really shuts down our visions. And it's what makes us think that visions aren't valuable because we have invested all of our value in our ego productivity. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we call our framework 
for business development, a feminine framework. And the reason we call it that is because of this, because it emphasizes these stages that are not visibly productive. You're not showing anyone, I am working so hard, (laughs) right? Like you're just, you have to kind of do the quiet work, the introspective work, the imaginative work. And it's very personal. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, sure, you can do this collectively if you have a business that's collective, but even then you're going to be doing it just with that group, like kind of quietly. Um, and it's, that's important. That's important to do it, to, to introspect, to go within because other people have a lot of agendas for us. Yeah. And because these institutions of sexism, of, uh, of patriarchy, white supremacy and capitalism are so imposing, mm-hmm. we have to retreat. We have to retreat to find our own voice, to really tap into that divine inspiration that takes internal work. It takes Mm -hmm. shutting off. It takes not having conversations with everyone you know about what you're doing. Um, And it, it definitely takes like not having to prove to other people what's happening. Yeah. When you say that, the like archetype that always just comes up for me is like the hermit in tarot and the, at least my take on the hermit, which is really one about like inner wisdom and about like climbing to the mountaintop to reconnect with yourself because you know what you need and the vision is within you, we might say. So to transition from there, you know, we've been talking a lot about visioning and it sounds beautiful and magical and lofty, but also in visioning, you produce like tangible things. <laughs> so it's not just that you go into your mind palace and hang out there and then leave your mind palace and engineer a business. So Jen, like what is the result of visioning? Like what do you produce in the visioning phase? Yeah. So in our framework in the business birthing handbook, which is the place that we describe this trimester theory, which the visioning stage is one of, we say, you know, you're done with that stage when your vision is written down, it's committed to paper mm-hmm. and it's clear. So we're not talking at that point, like you have 800 pages of journaling notes, like <laughs> you, that's the beginning of the stage. The end of the stage is when you've got your, like, you know, you can one page or one paragraph about your company, what it is. Mm-hmm. So that I think anyone can do that, write down your business, start to call it down. Eventually when it's like a page or a paragraph, you'll know that you are ready. You've got your vision and you can move on to engineering. I mean, that's sort of the technical piece is it should be written down. It should be clear. The intangible piece is you should love it. (laughs) You should love it. You want to love this vision before you take it to the next stage. Because remember, if you listen to our last episode, the engineering is when it's going to start to cost you time, money, self-esteem, power, et cetera. So you want to advance a vision that you're in love with. You don't need... Don't waste your time in your life advancing a vision that you're not in love with. Stay in the visioning stage until you love it. So you can write down your vision. But what I did on my own when I was ready to bring forth sister, it was just a very nascent idea. This was about in 2014. I had been working in brand strategy for a really long time. So I had a lot of tools at my disposal to help other people clarify their business. I wasn't so much building businesses from the bottom up, but I was really helping people who had new businesses um, do branding work, which involves really clarifying the personality of a business mm-hmm. and clarify its voice and what it looks like literally and the design elements and so on. And so I, I'd been sort of gathering and working with these tools for a long time that was about what is your business. Mm-hmm. So when I was uh, had my consultancy, Armbrust and Company at that time, um, I was doing 
one-on-one consultings and um, some interactive work, mostly strategy work though. I wanted to shift. My first business had been retail. It was an art gallery. Then I had done creative services for a long time and I was kind of wanting something new. So I created a project for myself, which was to gather all these great branding tools and even create some new ones for myself. And I created what I called a vision handbook. And this is a document that I wanted to just capture the spirit of what felt like this nascent idea Mm -hmm. and to keep kind of pulling it down. I just had these little threads And every time I'd work on it, I'd kind of get more ideas and more ideas and more ideas. And I really infused it with a lot of inspiration, um, a lot of quotes and other people that were that I was excited about. And then all the ideas I had for this business. And I just sort of worked on it over time and ultimately created this vision handbook for sister. And that was sort of the beginning of what helped me even understand this visioning stage that I later wrote about as part of this framework that I developed. Mm -hmm. But that tool was so crucial. And then once I had this document, like I created this event with my closest friends, like six highly trusted female friends of mine Mm -hmm. who were all in business and had been in business. And I created this whole ceremony because I really wanted to share this vision, but I really wanted to create a pretty firm container around it Mm -hmm. because your visions are very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. They're vulnerable to theft and they're vulnerable to sabotage. And even your, even some of your most trusted people will accidentally sabotage you or steal your ideas without even realizing it. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want that to happen. So I created this brunch, this ceremony. People were asked to bring a gift from nature. They were asked to bring photos of their feminist heroes. Like we sort of created this whole environment, this whole vessel to hold this experience was, which was me sharing this vision. Mm -hmm. And so then I was able to give everyone a packet of this vision handbook and, um, and ask them for their feedback on it. And I'll never forget because it, proved to be incredibly prophetic that my friend Liz, I, I kind of thought I was creating sister that was going to be this sort of feminist bookstore. It was almost kind of like other wild, but before mm-hmm. that existed. And, um, and I sort of had this retail vision, but about feminism, I don't know, it's sort of vague, but my friend Liz was like, what if it was a school? And I was like, what if it was a school? But anyway, <laughs> I wrote it down. I, I mean, mm-hmm. everybody, I wrote everybody's ideas down. And that one proved to be so important because mm-hmm. here are we right now, an entire company built around feminist business school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I needed her vision to help complete my vision. Mm-hmm. And so that was really an important part. And And now that we are in the business here at sister of guiding other people through this process, you know, that's what we created this whole course visions and values around writing this handbook. And we're going to have a ceremony at the end where Mm -hmm. you can really share that and, and bless it and allow others to help you then take your vision once you've done the first leg of that work. Yeah. Uh, Again, this like beautiful moment of like the individual and the collective and that like enmeshment and, and sharing. I love the sound of this ceremony. I want to have a vision just to have a ceremony like this. It sounds so... We can make that happen, Amelia. (laughs) I mean, yes, I'm very excited to guide all of our visions and values students that we'll have this spring into and through their ceremonies. It's going to be great. Jen, could you share a little bit, and I can chime in too, about like, you had the ceremony. What happened after that? What role does the vision handbook play over time in a business? 
Yeah. So, I mean, those handbooks I was making in 2014 and Sister in Feminist Business School did not come to full fruition until more like 2016, 2017. Mm. It was really a vision that kept gestating Mm. and and it kept evolving and getting clearer and certain things fell away. Other things came to the fore. But once I had that document, you know, it's like the writing the manuscript is the hardest part, yeah. right? But then I could take things out and put them in and change things or tweak them or whatever once I had this document. So the visions endure. You know, they're things that have life beyond just the creation of the product. Mm-hmm. And so there was something that I could do where I could share that vision and I could allow it to really unfold in its own time. And all you people who are in a hurry, I hope you heard me when I just said it was a thing that took three years from the first uh, packet until it became my whole business. Mm -hmm. But then, I mean, I'm sure you remember when I hired you, I Mm -hmm. gave you a copy of the handbook. And that was one of the very first things we did Mm -hmm. was I was like, here is my vision for my company. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the company now that you're a part of. Mm -hmm. And it's an exciting vision. Or I mean, maybe maybe I'll let you talk. (laughs) But like, I felt like special. I felt like I'm going to share with you something that I created that I think is so exciting and I am in love with. Yeah. And here is, here it is like here. I can, here's, here's your version. You can see it right here. Yeah. It's for you. Yeah. I just remember this like gloriously yellow PDF that I opened uh, because yellow is a huge part of sister's vision. Obviously, if anyone who's ever looked at any of our website or marketing materials, but yeah, I mean, I just remember reading through it and having this real sense of wow, this isn't just a page-long description or mission statement or whatever of a company. This is a holistic vision of a whole like world that I get to step into and be a part of building now. And, you know, I worked at many places, especially lots of universities before I was at worked at, with Sister and worked with you at Sister and nowhere ever had anything like that. It's like you get hired and like, hopefully you read the website, maybe you sign a contract and maybe somebody spends an hour talking to you about what you're going to be doing. But I've never quite had that experience of just being presented with like this business as a world of its own or as a holistic vision, which is mm-hmm. was really exciting to realize, wow, this is really something. And I think too, I mean, we go back to the vision handbook time and time again, when we want to reconnect with that vision, with that world, with that business. And I think when you said earlier, a business without a vision is just work, that was spot on. And I feel like when we get too caught up in the work, then we can always go back to that vision handbook as a way to get back to the vision to kind of step back into that bigger picture and not just especially if we're feeling burnout or overwhelmed, or like the day to day has just gotten so hard, because that happens, especially running a business during a pandemic and global (laughs) crisis. Um, The vision doesn't make us immune to that. But it means that I always feel like we kind of have somewhere else to go Mm -hmm. than just that the business isn't just that because there's a vision. Yeah. And the vision handbook is intended to be an inspiration station. It is not a business plan. This is not a business plan. That's something else that's in the next stage. The business plan is when you work out the how, Mm -hmm. how your business works. The visioning stage in the vision handbook is what? It's Mm -hmm. like, what is it? What does it look like? What does it feel like? It captures the spirit of the business. And that 
is intangible. And that you can't do in a business plan. And when you're working out the engineering of your finances and your operations, like yeah. you're not there saying like, what's the spirit of this project? Like, no, you're doing something <laughs> totally different. So that's why you got to do this beforehand. You got to do this before you get there. Like, because this is, it's so much fuel. There's so much nourishment and it's so much beauty that you can then pull on mm -hmm. as you do the work. Mm -hmm. So now that we've gushed over our vision handbook, <laughs> for folks listening who maybe want to create their own, Jen, how do you go about that process? What advice would you have for them? I think the first thing to do, if you want to make up your own vision handbook, I would get a journal or maybe create, if you're, if you love computers, you know, create a document and take the time to set it up with your favorite fonts, your favorite colors. You got to get the vision out of your body. You mm -hmm. kind of got to pull it through, right? What I was talking about, you got to kind of pull down cosmic inspiration, move it through your body into the world. And so you got to do that by writing or expressing in some visible way. This is where you might want to do some of those activities that you already know. Know, like a vision board, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think there's anyone who's listening to us who's never heard of a vision board, right? <laughs> like you can kind of, you can kind of check in with yourself mm -hmm. and be like, how do I create a vision? How do I capture a vision? I would say like, do some journaling. What's everything your business could be. Mm -hmm. Keep going back to that. Keep jotting down ideas, maybe keep a list, start gathering the colors, the inspirations, the quotes you like, and just allow yourself to think of maybe the different facets of your business and what could it be? Remember, that's mm -hmm. the question here. What could could it be not what should it be or what will it be, but what could it be? So I think it's um, carving out that time to just play and to play and, and let those ideas come out of your body and be expressed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. As you were saying that, I was remembering that when I was in college in one of my dorm rooms, I just kept this giant piece of craft paper taped to the wall. And when I would read a quote I liked, I would write it up there. When I would come across a color I like, like I would just paste or tape or write everything straight to it. And while I wasn't visioning a business at the time, I think that is like the ethos of this through a lens of what your business can be is really just that sort of collection, curation, inspiration process. And as you've said many times today, like letting that take time, this is not something you can force into, you know, a month or 10 days or even three months or a year. It's not that you're just going to be able to carve out that time and say, it'll be done when this is done. You know, I loved in our last episode, you even I think said, like, if you want to go slow in business, we're the company to do that with. Visioning doesn't happen on your capitalist inspired timeline. It happens on its own timeline. Yeah, it's definitely not a line on your to do list. It's a phase in the process. Mm -hmm. And I think the more time you can give yourself for it, the more you're going to enjoy the spoils of what you've done, like, mm -hmm. the more that's going to carry you over time, you know, and so you can create your own vision handbook by tapping into sort of this collective information that we have about how to envision our lives, how to envision the future of our business. Mm -hmm. But the whole reason we created Visions and Values this course is because we have ideas of exactly how to help you think through that. So when you take this course with us, we give you these different topics. We give you these different areas to think about. We give you tools that help you think about those different facets of your business so that you can create a holistic 
vision for your company that really touches on a lot of different areas. And then there's all the fun stuff in there too. By the time you have this vision handbook done, not only are you going to have kind of the vision that you can then let the way I did share with your trusted people and start to share with your team and your stakeholders, Mm -hmm. but you're actually going to have kind of worked out some of these individual pieces of your company. You'll have done some pre-branding work that then you can use with your designer because you're already starting to think about the personality of your company. We're going to walk you through that process where, you know, when I said, what is your business is what is it is what you're going to figure out. I mean, we spend the entire time in this course supporting you in learning how to speak what your business is so that it can come out of your mouth clearly, concisely, where people are excited about the words you're saying about your business and where it's totally clear and you are super resonant with it in your own body. Mm-hmm. So I want to empower you to write your own vision handbook, but of course we want you to do it with us um, in our course, mm-hmm. because we're going to really guide you through that process, um, give you the the fun tools. We've already done all that work mm-hmm. of figuring out how to write this handbook. And so you can just come and show up and get your weekly worksheets where then at the end of this course, you will have this incredible document for mm-hmm. your company. Yeah. Definitely. Visioning is magical and you can do it however you want. But if you want to just come do it with us, we have the container and the resources to show you how. And we will cheer you on. Uh, Yes, that is an incredibly important part of the process. Because if you're trying to vision alone, that inner critic can really come for you. But for people whose interest is getting piqued by that now, and they're like, Oh, tell me more about this course. What is it? Tell us about like the structure and what all you get when you join visions and values. So Visions and Values is five months total of support that begins with an eight-week guided curriculum. And this is really the all those tools you need, all the energy tools and video classes and resources, worksheets, feminist and anti-racist resources, so you can write that vision. Mm. So eight weeks is unpacking like what is business alchemy, which is our set of tools to help you get in this very creative visioning state. Mm -hmm. We help you get there so that you can have these exciting synthesizing ideas come through. And then we give you the various worksheets over the course of those eight weeks that become your vision handbook. So we give you everything you need to write this vision handbook. We give you all of the things to help you quiet your inner critic. We work a lot on your UVP. So this is your unique value proposition. A lot of people in business know about this. Mm -hmm. And the reason we work on that in this course is because that's how you learn to articulate your business. So there's workshops and supports for that. And by the end of this course, then you can speak what your business is in a clear and compelling way. Mm -hmm. So we start with those eight weeks and then there's three months in a Mighty Network online community that gives you ongoing support to finish that handbook. And then we have um, every other week, there'll be like a video, uh, probably with you, Amelia, Mm -hmm. that where there's time to talk to your to talk to your classmates and to talk about your process. And then all of this is building towards this final closing ceremony, which happens at the end. So it's an eight week course with then three months additional community support so that you really get this like vibrant, polished, beautiful vision handbook Mm -hmm. that then you can use we really want to support you in taking that all the way to completion. Yeah. So this course starts 
starts in April. Registration, if you're listening when we posted this, is open now. If you join us this spring, that means by fall, you could have this magical vision handbook and have a business that's really tuned in to your like collective feminist vision for your business and the world. And I think that just sounds so exciting. And I really can't wait for the group that is already signing up and the more people who are going to join us and seeing their visions, because I really think it's so special to be able to be surrounded by other feminist entrepreneurs while you're going through this process so that you don't feel like you have to go it alone. It's so huge. And you get us, like we're in this, we're totally enmeshed, me mm-hmm. and Amelia in this process. And then you get your other amazing feminist visionaries. Mm-hmm. And we always gather an international clientele. So you're meeting people from all over and supporting each other mm-hmm. in getting more radical in getting more political, you know, in like really owning your values and in creating more pleasure in your company. Because I mean, let's be frank, when you're in business, it's hard to do business development without support. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do it without the time carved out. So this is where we hold that space for you. Like we guide you through it. We kind of tell you what to do in a good way where then you don't have to figure it out on your own. We give you the worksheets. We help create the infrastructure so that you can have that vision. You can spend the time cultivating your vision. So this is really perfect for you if you are already in business and you're finding maybe you don't have a vision. Maybe your company, it does does just feel like work. You Mm -hmm. don't know where you're headed. So you're feeling burnout or COVID just really sucked the life out of your business and you're really having to reimagine what your company is. This course is for you. If you're a solopreneur and you have been trucking along and you are totally making it, but also you're not really sure where you're going beyond continuing to do what you're doing, Mm -hmm. this is going to help you begin to imagine how to make more money over time without having to actually work more. Mm -hmm. Because that's the hardest part about solopreneurship, how to get out of that, not being able to make more without working more. Mm -hmm. And then this course is also really great for our audience. Um, Those people who have already taken Concepts and Conception, our flagship course with us, this is the next step. Mm -hmm. This is where that course leads to. All the work you did in CNC, now you're going to build on that here and flesh out that vision, really bring it to life. So it's a great course for a number of people. If you're kind of feeling lost, if you're feeling listless, if your business is not working, or if you just cannot imagine how you're going to go forward without working more, Mm -hmm. this is going to help you solve those problems. Yeah. So come join us. We want you with us in Visions and Values this spring. In the show notes, you'll find all of the links to learn more, to register. I'm just pumped. I feel like all I have to say is come to Visions and Values. It's going to be great. For sure. We we offered this course two years ago. We haven't offered it in two years. So it's a comeback. It's a comeback story. <laughs> and um, yeah, Amelia and I have been pumped about this for a while because it's so creative. So come hang out with us this spring and summer. It's going to be juicy. It's going to be fun. It's going to be radical. And at the end, you're going to have a total vision for where you're going next. You can head to the show notes for that info. And otherwise, Jen, I think that's a wrap on our third episode. (laughs) Thanks so much for tuning in, friends. We will see you again in a few weeks. Bye. Bye now. Thanks for listening to Business But Make It Feminist. You can hear more from the Sister team on Instagram and online at sister.is. That's sister.is. 